Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to Coffee Connections. My name is Seth Weiner. I'm your host, and I am also your rockshineer. Uh, it's a pleasure to have everyone joining us today. Uh, these I've been really enjoying these Coffee Connections, meeting so many amazing individuals that are innovators in our community, in our nonprofit sector. Uh, and the last two months have just been great. Today is uh, another fun edition. I'm excited to share and introduce uh, this organization to you all. Uh, so let me go ahead and start off by saying Andrea Jaren's going to be joining us, the Executive Director of Second Helpings Atlanta. Now, she's got a passion for helping others, uh, and that's very apparent in her. This was very apparent in her childhood uh, when she would hold neighborhood carnivals to raise money for charities. Now, I got to say, I know someone just like that. <laughs> uh, as an undergraduate, she volunteered for a suicide prevention hotline and during law school donated her time at a free legal aid clinic. Uh, and she's quoted as saying, she's always felt like she wanted to make a difference. Now today, she's the executive director of Second Helpings Atlanta. Andrea is building on a successful career in service. She's inspired by the opportunity to create change by helping people think in new ways about food waste and its environmental impact. She's from Detroit and she went to the University of Michigan and she is here in Atlanta making a big difference. So please, ladies and gentlemen, join me in welcoming Andrea. Hi, Andrea. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well, Seth. How are you? Uh, a little behind today, but doing okay. <laughs> um, doing all right. So before we talk about your organization, we always talk coffee because it is Coffee Connection. So this is our chance to do a little coffee talk. Do you happen to have a coffee mug? Well, I don't have a mug, but I have this. Let's let's take a look at that. What do we got there? So, I drink cold brew, so I like a cold cup. Oh, that answers a question of mine coming up. So, <laughs> okay, sorry. Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. That's good. That's good. You're on the ball. So that, but that's that, you can put hot in that as well, but you prefer okay. to put cold. You can. I prefer to put it in cold. Yes, and it's from the Sundance Film Festival. Never Sun heard of it. <laughs> uh which year was that though is that 20 was that that's 2020 um, was it virtual then no it was the last live activity that i participated in, <laughs> it, was in it was in january so okay mm -hmm, it was live and i'm a huge huge movie fan and um i went this was the fifth year that i've actually gone and this time i got a cup Hey, <laughs> somebody asked you a question, though. If you put coffee in that cup, do you notice there's an extra film around it? Oh, very funny. Very funny. Uh, you know. <laughs> so, like, so I, drink, I, I had this conversation this morning with a colleague of mine. We were talking coffee, and I was like, you know, if I drink, I like hot coffee and I like French press, but now if I drink it out of a mug like we got right, you know, right there, um, it goes like I'm like three cups. I'm you know like in ten minutes. But when you put it in a tumbler like that, you sip it for an hour. Now, is it the same thing with cold? Do you tend to drink it a little slower? Yep, totally drink it slower. And um, and I, I mean, I really like how coffee tastes, so I do like right. to savor a cup of coffee, and I don't drink it all day long. Um, so yes, it's actually good. It stays nice and cold and fresh for. 
a couple of hours easily if you want to make it last that long. Yeah. I mean, so, by the way, you want to feel like you're in the future. I mean, our kids don't realize it, but man, let me tell you, when you put an ice cube and the cold water in one of those tumblers and two days later, there's still ice in it in the summer. It's true. I mean, come on. What technology is that? We're living in the future right now. There's no doubt. Very true. <laughs> So speaking of the future, I'm going to go ahead and hand the screen to you. Please tell everyone about Second Helpings Atlanta. Sure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on today. Second Helpings Atlanta is um, a hunger relief and food rescue organization. So we um, pick up surplus fresh food from various, part, various food donors throughout the community um, like grocery stores or big box retailers, uh, restaurants, large event venue, um, places, hospitals, all different kinds of places, all different sorts of venues that have food. And we pick up that surplus food and we use volunteers to typically do that. They load the food into their own vehicles and they drive their vehicles to a partner agency who is also um, a nonprofit organization and they drop the food off there. And then that partner agency will then distribute the food to their clients. So we are very much um, a logistics organization. We do a lot of coordinating between where the food is and where the food needs to be. And at the same time, we're a sustainability organization because we keep the surplus food out of landfills. 40% of all food in this country is never consumed. It's wasted. Whoa. And we help to make a very small dent in um, keeping that food out of a landfill and getting it into the hands of people who are hungry and can eat it and use it. That's amazing. Okay, you, you hit me like with like 20 questions in my mind. First of all, are you only servicing Atlanta or with this with the food or are you outside of Atlanta? So we're in the metro Atlanta area. Um, there are other food rescue organizations in cities throughout the country. There's no national network of food rescue organizations. Um, and I haven't come across anyone who does things exactly the way that we do. Um, but there's some interconnectivity for sure. But we are in the metro mm -hmm. area. Now, you say that you collect the food and then you give it to partnering organizations. Mm -hmm. uh, what are some of the organizations uh, that, that you would work with in doing that? So we work with um, lots of different types of entities. Some are we bring a lot of food to the shelters in town. We also bring food to um, day treatment programs, various nonprofit day treatment programs. There's some community assistance centers that um, are in North Fulton County. There's one in Toco Hills. There's another in Dunwoody. Um, <clears throat> so we bring food to them. Anyone who has a food pantry-like setup um, or some kind of a meal distribution program. Um, and we have over 40 partner agencies. So we've, we, we, we're established as, as an independent 501c3 in 2012. We actually started as a community service project in 2004. Huh. But so over the years, we've sort of grown and changed our relationships with different partner agencies. We serve the Boys and Girls Clubs. We serve some domestic violence shelters. Um, a lot. We do a lot on the west side, a lot in the city of Atlanta. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah. we're, you know, mm -hmm. constantly having in, receiving inquiries from other agencies who would like to be getting food. So it's an evolutionary process. <laughs> yeah. And I imagine, uh, let's take it back um, to March 2020, if you can even remember yesterday. <laughs> I remember the news cycle being all about the grocery stores and the produce and like all this produce that, you know, the restaurants weren't uh, using it and there's a surplus of produce. How did you handle that? Did you, I mean, that must have been a great opportunity for you to be able to not get that to not let that go to waste. It, it was, and it continues to be. So, I mean, right, right around the, the middle of March, um, all of our food donor partners were contacting us with changes that were coming up. Um, the grocery stores, for the most part, the grocery stores that we rescue food from have a dedicated program. So they're always setting aside surplus food. Um, and they had a lot more available for us. The restaurants th that were closing mm -hmm. had food in their cold storage that was going to spoil and they wanted it to go somewhere. So they were calling us. Um, they, they were they were actively calling you. So you didn't you yeah. didn't have to do the work of calling them. They Correct. were aware. That's Correct. that's fantastic. Yep. And they knew to call us, which is really amazing. Um, and same with the large event venues. They had, you know, tons of food in their cold storage in anticipation. I think there were there were a couple of soccer games that were supposed to happen. And we're, oh, no, no, no. It wasn't the soccer games. It no. Was final four. Yeah, all the chicken wings. I remember this whole story about <laughs> national. But, like, they, this was, a, like, a real deal. Like, they had all these chicken wings and didn't know what to do with them, right? Yeah. Yeah, and there was, so between State Farm Arena and Mercedes-Benz Stadium, there was a ton of food. And so they called us and we mobilized our volunteers. We mobilized, we do have a truck. We had one truck at the time. Later on, we, Mercedes-Benz USA donated five Sprinter vans for us to use. Nice, so we good. had more vehicles over the last several months. Um, but we just mobilized whatever vehicle we we had, and we contacted our partner agencies and said, "We have food for you. We're coming over." And they said, "Great, we'll take it." And um, so, yeah, it was very, very crazy from I would say the middle of March until about the middle of April, um, mm -hmm. with really trying to help people in more of the 11th hour instead of the regular plans. Because typically with food rescue, we have 150 scheduled routes every single week. So it's not the mm -hmm. last minute calls. It's planned. We know that, you know, Trader Joe's in Sandy Springs is going to have food on a Monday and we need to be there at 730 in the morning. We'll go get that food. Um, mm -hmm. But we continue, we and we continue with the scheduled routes, obviously, and we there are people who are calling in the last minute with food. Now, what about, um, I, th I imagine like uh, the Atlanta Community Food Bank, et cetera. How do you work differently than them in that in this capacity? Are you competing to get the food from Trader Joe's or is it they're getting food from Cisco and you're getting from Trader Joe's or how's that all work? Yeah, we actually have a great relationship with the Atlanta Community Food Bank. We, we are partners in this process. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so... They obviously deal in much larger volumes of food than we do. And the food bank is a food bank. They have storage. So nonprofits can go to them and essentially do their grocery shopping. Um, we don't have any cold storage. We don't have any shelf-stable food. Everything we have is fresh and perishable. So we 
literally are picking up food and delivering it typically within 90 minutes and the food gets distributed shortly thereafter. So we are very much in alignment with what mm -hmm. we do because we, we serve the purpose of reducing food waste and reducing hunger, but we do it, we, we do it a little differently. Now, you talk about the events, like uh, a major event at the Mercedes-Benz, but I mean, do you also like the uh, Horowitz Bar Mitzvah and they're going to have a ton of extra food? Do you work, is it scalable or? Yeah, so the challenge with the Bar Mitzvahs and the weddings um, and those kinds of things is we don't, we have to maintain certain safety standards and any food Especially that's now, been, right, yeah. Yeah, and any food that's been put out on the line, so to speak, so like mm -hmm. on the buffet line, we won't take that. So if if the Horowitzes are keeping a lot of food back in the kitchen and it's covered and refrigerated and the caterers, you know, maintaining that food safety and there's leftover food, then we can take that food. But once mm -hmm. it's been put out on the buffet for all of the guests to enjoy, we won't we won't touch that. Got it. So do you partner with the music festivals that take place in town and kind of help help out with those, you know, especially like the backstage catering coming from the event industry? I know what goes on back there, and there's a lot of food that at the end of the week, it's like, you know, they end of the weekend, rather, they close up that Cisco truck. I'm like, well, where's that all go? Yeah, yeah. So, actually, I I know that you have some connections in those places, and I was hoping that at some point in time, offline, <laughs> perhaps, we can talk about the future world when music festivals start again. Um, we actually rescue food for Taste of Atlanta, um, the food festival. Oh, yeah, yeah that would have been held this last weekend. Um, and we do do a little bit with the music festivals, but not as extensively um, as we really could and should. Um, some of it is a function of um, bandwidth. Honestly, like it's a big undertaking to do. And some of it is also just getting all the different vendors on board and agreeing to participate in, the, in that type of activity. Because it takes coordination. Like you have to talk to all the food vendors and make sure they're not throwing their food away. They have to package it up and they have to mm -hmm. be willing to let our volunteers come in and, and get it. So it is, it's an evolutionary process. Um, I will tell you, we just established a relationship with Sierra Nevada Brewing. And, oh, cool. Um, yeah, super, super excited about them. They're becoming an amazing partner of ours. And we, when I spoke with um, one of their um, employees on Friday, we were talking about the future and the music festivals and because they're all about sustainability too. Big time, yeah. And, um, and how we would really like to be able to work together in those types of events to be able mm -hmm. to rescue all of that food because there's a lot. There certainly is. I mean, it's endless, but it's it's neat to know, though, the scalability of your organization and how quickly you're able to get food to folks. As we are in COVID times, how has this changed your processes? Uh, because it sounds like when we're all shutting down and locking in and starting to really like close ourselves from the world, you're out there picking up food from restaurants and interacting in ways with organization uh, compass small businesses and your, your exposure was huge like how did you deal with that on the onslaught there yeah well right in the beginning so we have a network of over 400 volunteers to run help support our operations and as soon as the pandemic started the bulk of our volunteers really held back um completely understandably 
almost 40% of our volunteers are 60 and over. So in the vulnerable demographic. Um, So we pivoted really quickly. We were super fortunate that, um, are you familiar with Goldberg's Bagels, Goldberg's Fine Foods? I mean, you know, I have a son and we live across the street over here in Toco Hills. So I, I... I was a Bagel Palace uh, fan until, uh, but but let's face it, Bagel Palace got too expensive, and I'll blame it on the rent, not on them. Yeah, kinda. And uh, but I miss them; they were great. But yeah, Goldberg's is uh, is a great alternative. To- I completely agree. And there, um, we were Bagel Palace fans too. Um, we were sad to see them go, but uh, Goldberg's is amazing, um, and um, they actually we rescue food from their restaurants. And when the pandemic started, um, one of my board members reached out to one of the owners of Goldberg's and said, we could use some help with some trucks if you happen Mm -hmm. to have trucks available. And they were gonna furlough a few of their employees who were working down at the airport. And they Mm -hmm. decided not to furlough them. They kept them on staff and they basically became our temporary volunteers. And they drove our food rescue routes for us seven days a week for about six weeks. Yeah. So um, that's an example of a big load of food that they picked up for us. Um, Those are actually, I think, I think those are pot pies that they donated to us. They gave us like 2,000 pot pies not too long ago. Can you say Um, that quickly? (laughs) (laughs) So, but they, so they completely supported us during that period That's of time. And it was incredible. And then the airport was going to start to open back up. So they needed to take their employees back. And, uh-huh. um, and that was when Mercedes Benz donated the Sprinter vans to us. And we, I was able to hire a few temporary drivers. And um, so sort of ironic that in this time, this crazy time where people, food insecurity is skyrocketing because the economy isn't so great and people are losing their jobs and I got to hire a few people. Um, no, that's, that is great. That's something that I've been learning on the, um, doing these coffee connections is uh, I was talking to um, actually Goodwill a couple, uh, couple episodes ago and the, one of the points Keith brought up was a lot of people are saying, you know, we're, we're losing jobs. We're losing jobs. But the reality is, as we're losing jobs, we're actually creating new jobs. And what you just said is an example of that. Now, it's not. It's not. I'm not saying things are perfect by any means. But as things are falling, we. It, let's take a moment and realize there are things that are opening up. And so, yeah. you just have to be creative and have to look out there to see. So, like this example. I mean, if you're, if you have a van and you can help out, yep. go to the website. Exactly. I've gotten phone calls from people who own vehicles, own trucks, and they're looking for work. And they've said, you know, I've got a 26-foot box truck, and I'm fully insured, and I can totally mm-hmm. help you pick up food. So if you need some help, let me know. And, yeah, it's um, it's the community has really come together. I think the, the one of the biggest examples from our point of view of the community coming together and in talking about the Atlantic um, community food bank is that we partnered with them um, in the end of April to launch the Atlanta Community Kitchen Project, which was oh. really geared towards um, commercial and stadium kitchens throughout the city where hospitality workers were losing their jobs or were furloughed temporarily. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we got a lot of funding from the corporate community in Atlanta. The um, Atlanta Chamber was stood behind this in a very significant way. And we were able to open those kitchens back up and have them prepare full, beautiful family style meals. And, um, and then hmm. we coordinated all of the logistics and delivered those meals to people throughout the city over the course of the summer. It's continued um, into the fall and um, we've delivered over 400,000 meals. That's um, amazing. And so, yeah, I mean, it's really an example of people coming together to problem solve in a couple of different ways, you know, giving people some jobs who really needed to have sure. jobs and um, getting food to people who really need the food. Yeah, and that, I hate to say it, but that problem's not going away. I mean, it, hopefully we can we can help it, but um, but that's something I, I foresee is going to get worse in, as we as time goes on here in the near future. Yep, I would agree with you. Based on the number of requests that we're getting, um, and the meal delivery program has been pulled back pretty significantly. It's continuing, but not at the the mm -hmm. volume that it was before because we're out of funding for it. Um, and as we inform the partner agencies that the meals are winding down, they're really sad because they need them and their clients need mm -hmm. them. And the, the hunger issue is it's not going away. It was here right. before, right? right? It was here yeah. before and it got worse and it's going to be here after. Yep. Um, you mentioned funding, so I want to kind of shift gears to fundraising. Where do you get the funds to do sort this sort of stuff? Is it direct donations? Is it sponsorship? Is it uh, foundational support? What, what's your, what's the main means of fundraising? The main means of fundraising for us is really through foundation and individual giving. Um, we have, historically, we've had a good amount of corporate partners. A lot of the corporate funding went away this year. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the corporate entities have their funds earmarked to be um, donated towards the end of the year. And so the pandemic started in the early part of the year. And so those coffers really were used up for other purposes. Um, so the foundation support um, has been really, really impactful for us and individual donations have definitely gone up. Mm -hmm. We um, historically have had a couple of events. We had an event that we were planning to do actually just um, looked at my calendar. It was supposed to be on Sunday. Oh, wow. Um, and um, we were not big into events at this stage of the game because we're still relatively new and small. Um, but what we were doing was um, an event called River Feast that was held at one of our board members' homes. Her house is on the river. Oh, um, nice. Beautiful. And, um, and, you know, a small gathering, you know, less than 100 people to hear about the organization and the work that we do. Um, hear from one of our partner agencies who benefits from the work that we do and, you know, get the message out about the mm -hmm. importance of supporting us. Um, yeah. You know, now that we're in this new world, um, we are, and you mentioned music festivals, I mean, we, we are sort of tossing around a bunch of different ideas that we could potentially make happen in 2021 in the virtual space. Um, oh, yeah because it's too uncertain to be able to plan something in person, I think, for next year. No, I think that's that's absolutely right. It, it is 
it's silly to to start putting all your eggs into an in-person event. I think, and I, I'm saying this on on the fundraising side as a benefit auctioneer and my colleagues. We're advising folks that, look, if you want to plan in person, that's fine. But you need to look at your plan. If that's your plan A, your plan B needs to be a plan A. Yeah. Because you, you have to go into it knowing you're going to have a hybrid. That's, I mean, because it's just the reality is this. If you have any supporters that are in their 60s or above, you don't know they're going to get their vaccine. You don't know if, even if they get it, if they're going to be comfortable. So you have to plan for a hybrid. Um, and it's silly not to. It's silly to think that, especially after, after after all this time, for people to think that we're going to go back to normal. It's not going to be normal. It's going to be a new normal. And then there's going to be another new normal. And then there's going to be another new normal. Right. And so you, you have to embrace it. Yep. So that's a uh, and there, there are tons of ways. I mean, I, I could list a thousand ideas like that on virtual um, it's just a matter of really, you know, looking at your supporter base. So, no, you have a supporter base. You know, you could have done this in-person event. How do you do that virtually? And that's that's the question you you know you chew on. But it sounds like you got some good ideas, Bruin. Yeah, I think we do. I think that we're, you know, we the, in a lot of ways the virtual platform allows you to reach far more people than you ever could have before. Um, you know, the, the entry point to participate, um, you know, from a cost perspective tends to be a lot lower. And um, the overall overhead expenses from a fundraising standpoint tend to be lower as well. So your ROI right. can really be a lot higher. The hardest part is you're up against Shit's Creek, like literally up against Shit's <laughs> Creek. Yes. That's what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and you got to find, you know, it's important to recognize that and, and to be able to find ways to engage and make it entertaining, make it impactful, um, and make it different. Because let's face it, if it's a virtual gala and you're on your, as a supporter, on your third or fourth one, and it's the same format, right. you're going to get bored because you don't have the person next to you to be like, oh my God, this speaker, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. I mean, <laughs> Not that the speaker's bad, but you know, you've you've seen enough speeches. Like, how do you right. how do you really do it? Yeah. Um, but but yeah, we that's... A, we um we did a little event a few weeks ago. It wasn't a fundraiser. It was really just for fun. Because since we are about sustainability, we do like to get the word out on mm -hmm. different, different things that you can do as an individual to impact the environment positively around food. And um, we did a cooking demonstration with. Um, Annette Joseph, she's She's from Atlanta. She's um, a food stylist. She does all kinds of entertaining. She's got beautiful books. And she has um, a home in Tuscany. Mm -hmm. And she was oh. in Tuscany. And so we got on with her, um, 6 o'clock her time, noon our time, and we did a zero-waste uh, gnocchi recipe. Oh, and, cool. Um, and it was super fun. We would have never done that. We would have never thought about doing that. In a in a normal world, so no kidding. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, well, that's cool. Yeah, I mean that's and there's so many ideas like that. It's about embracing those and making them exciting. I mean, I I'm, when you said Tuscany, I was sure you were going to say a wine pairing, but uh, but at, at twelve in the afternoon, maybe not the best idea. <laughs> we were drinking, we weren't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, that's fantastic. So you mentioned foundations. What uh, what foundation is uh, or what foundations are your, your the ones that primarily support you the most? We have a great relationship with the Arthur M. Blank Family Foundation. Um, they're mm -hmm. a great supporter of ours. Um, the Glenn Foundation also. Um, 
we receive funding from various corporate foundations, Mercedes-Benz, um, LexisNexis. Cisco actually gives us some funding. Oh, that's um, wonderful. So yeah, we're, um, we received emergency funding from the Community Foundation of Greater Atlanta and the United Way. Mm -hmm. um, and we're, um, you know, we're, we have a lot of proposals out there. <laughs> I bet. And are you the primary person to write the grants or do you have, a, how large of a team do you have? We're a really small team. We're a staff of seven. Um, four people are fully dedicated to operations in the Food Rescue Network. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's myself. Um, I have someone who does a little bit of program coordinating and she manages our social media and she does do some grant writing. Um, and then we have a finance person um, and a database manager. So yeah, I do the bulk of the grant writing with support from one of my staff people. Um, and um, the marketing and communications and, you know, like, you know the story of nonprofits. They're budget yeah. mean, and so you got to do everything. <laughs> hey, I always say they, they, they run off of, they run on a hamster wheel budget. Yes. <laughs> yes, got to keep, keep it rolling. Um, yeah. And you, you founded this organization? I did not. No, no, no. Oh, okay. No, no. I became the executive director just a little over a year ago. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. It was founded um, in 2004 at a Temple Sinai. Got it. Okay. Interesting. Okay. And, uh, and, and since your time, you've, uh, you've been able to implement a lot of new programming? We've been, I mean, we, it's funny. We, I started in the end of September of last year. So I had, you know, four, four and a half solid about months. Four months. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then, and then you got hit with COVID. So then you had no choice but to make new programming. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So for, you know, as crazy and stressful and tiring mm -hmm. as this has been, it's presented a lot of opportunities, quite honestly, um, to really hone in on what our mission is all about and what we're really, really good at um, so that we can provide the service to the community. Awesome. Well, um, you are a very busy lady, so I don't want to take any more of your time. But before we go, was there anything else you wanted to share about the organization? Uh, anything coming up or anything like that? Well, we're always looking for volunteers. So anyone who's out there listening, if you're interested, go to our website, um, secondhelpingsatlanta.org, and click on the volunteer button and sign up. It's really easy to volunteer for us. It's a socially distanced <clears throat> activity because you are in your own car, and you don't have to bring anybody else with you. And the food, you know, you need to be wearing a mask. The food is in a place where anyone who you're coming into contact with is wearing a mask as well. Um, so there's a lot of care that's given to that. And um, yeah, just go to our website and explore and see what we're all about. That would be great. Awesome. And again, that website's right down there, folks, secondhelpingsatlanta.org. Uh, and then I want to always close by having my guests recommend a future guest for the show. Is there anyone that you'd like to, an organization, an Atlanta nonprofit organization, that you'd like to recommend? Sure. For, my, yeah, my pleasure. There's an organization called Helping Mamas, and the executive director there is Jamie Lackey, and they operate similar to us mm -hmm. in some ways. They are they provide um, baby supplies to mothers, oh. and they deliver them. They pick them up. They deliver them. They have a they have a 
a warehouse also so they can store things. But they are doing an incredible amount of work right now during this time, especially because of the economy. Yeah. Um, and they're a real grassroots organization. Jamie's terrific. And I think you'd enjoy talking about them. I think so. And I mean, I, I have a fundraising idea for them. The Pamper Parade. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that'd be great. I, I, it's so amazing how many organizations there are. In, 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 well, a lot of communities, but in Atlanta in particular, because that's what I'm focusing on, it just amazes me how just how many and how different they all are. And there's like, you know, one specific thing turns into this organization, and it's, it's very fascinating how, yeah. how everyone's grown. Well, thanks so much for your time. Um, we'll be back uh, here on Thursday, folks, so you can join us. And I got great news. We're going to be putting all of these videos into audio and i'll be sharing that link very soon so you can take these 30-minute conversations on your next run uh you know just because you need the caffeine they got the coffee connections you're good all right thanks so much andrea uh, have a wonderful day and everyone we'll see you uh again soon thanks everyone